welcome to a corner of a London office that is Forever Doncaster for the latest instalment of the podcast, already described by listeners as passable and a bit too much about Doncaster for me. Uh, yes, it's the difficult sixth episode of Podular Stand, brought to you by me, Glenn Wilson, editor of the now actual award-winning fanzine Popular Stand. And as ever, I'm joined by the dream ticket of London economic editor Jack Pete. All right, Jack? Yeah, good evening. Good evening. And one-time Guardian music blogger James McMahon. I don't know whether I am a one-time... Well, no, you did it more than once, but one time no, I'm not. Like in your past. I would like to think that they would still ring me up for something, if required. Okay. Unless you know something that I don't. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't want to start this this podcast on a sour note. No, let's not, maybe, let's not start with such negativity. Maybe maybe not keep the phone so close, is all I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I prefer the observe. So that's that's the monthly raid of uh, James's LinkedIn profile out of the way. Uh, time to crack on and take a look back at the Rovers matches played since we were, we were last in your ears. Uh, and it seems most fitting to start with with Saturday's win over audience, especially as all, all three of us were there and present. So for once we can give informed and up-to-date comments <laughs> Bingo. on all things Rovers. 4-1 win. Orient credit to them made it made it quite difficult to Rovers, particularly in the first half. I think it was only like as the match sort of wore out, perhaps Orient tied a bit, Rovers were able to sort of exert their uh, their quality, the, the difference in quality of team and, and really take them apart. Yeah. I felt like Rovers didn't really break a sweat. Mm. And I know there's a, that first half uh, Orient went for it, but mm. I really felt like, uh, you know, at no point did I think that, I mean, admittedly I've been to a lot of Lane Orient games this season and I don't think I've seen Orient win at home this season. Mm. So I never really <laughs> felt a comeback was on the cards. But I also felt at any point Rovers could move up gear and uh, you know and, and win and win the game comfortably. But at the same time I did look around at some of the big players for Rovers this season and felt like they were on cruise control. Yeah. No seriously I think there was some of the Rovers big players didn't necessarily have they're better games on yeah. Saturday, and I didn't shoot, include Coppinger in that. Yeah. Uh, I thought it gave, it's still good, still a great outlet, but I think it gave the ball away a few more times than he would normally. Yeah. I said Marquis wasn't in the game in the first half either, but he still popped up with two goals. I suppose that goes on what you're saying, James, that they were a bit in cruise control, and when they needed to, they, they stepped it up. I yeah. think it was, Sorry, Jack. You know, it was, I think it was a different sort of win to, to what we had at Cambridge. I thought at Cambridge... Um, a lot of time we had to be the better team. We had to be more fluid in our passing. We we had to keep control um, uh, a lot more efficiently. And and on this, uh, we didn't really have to in, in, in mm. this game. You know, on on most of the occasions that the defence either crumbled or um, in the in the case of the spectacular fourth goal, as good mm. as it was, he had acres of space in a penalty box from a corner. Yeah. Um, to it was ball at waist height rather than in the air as well. Indeed, I think that it was. It didn't really require a sort of level of football. No disrespect to Lytton Orient um, that, that we, we've had, we've had to play in, in, in previous games, mm. um, and it, it, it was it, it was easy at that points simply because we were just we were given the they were yeah. on the plate. I mean, you got the defenders that it fallen fallen over each other at points. You know, yeah. it was a really sort mm. of like weak back four for me. At the same time, that that should reflect the quality of what Rose have got. If we felt that you can knock up a four-one win and have other chances, and not really be at your best for all the situation of Orient, 
that, that shouldn't take away from getting enjoyment out of watching what is a very good Doncaster Rovers team. Yeah, moment. I completely agree. And I think that the other thing that we need to know is as much as Marquez was out of the game, Coppinger was, and even, you know, Alfie May had a great game, but, he, you know, he didn't have to do much. I think that we've got to take note of what they were doing off the ball. Take, you know, Coppinger was, was here, there and everywhere. Mm. He was always in the, finding the spaces, whether he used that or not, that's a different matter. But at the same time, you've got Alfie May and Marquez that are running constantly, causing trouble for the defenders. And so when it does come to the defensive frailties on the Leighton side, you know, when, when they do start falling over, you kind of yeah. think, well, they've been run ragged all game and it's off the ball stuff, yeah. you know? I mean, I, I took my girlfriend and it's the first time she's seen Rovers this season. And there was a moment where very smugly I turned to her and went, we're really good, aren't we? And, uh, and you know, she, she did nod in the affirmative. We were sat behind the dugout and first half, uh, Fergie was going crackers. And it kind of made me happy, really, because it was like, well, not resting on your laurels. But Jack's right, like, probably the most attacking Rover side I remember. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd go with that yeah. as well, certainly. I remember the... So I think the main comparison you can give in, in sort of our lifetime certainly is the the team that won this level two thousand and three four yeah and yeah. um, and I remember that team as being good being quick being physical but I don't remember them being as as all out attacking as as this one you yeah. know there was a lot of clean sheets in in that season and it was a club record I think Andy Waddington yeah that season and, and the, this year the emphasis as Ferguson has always said from the outset has been much more on on attack. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to link in the Cambridge game and to yeah. affect, to an extent, the Crawley game, Cambridge two years ago would have been a nil-nil, a one-nil. It, 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 there, were, there were no goals in that. You know, it was mm. a difficult pitch on a Tuesday night when it had been raining and it was a slog and we came on with three goals. Crawley, we missed a penalty. We, we had opportunities cleared off the line and they came up, but that would have been an absolute solid nil-nil any other season as well. well I'd argue it could argue have been a nil-one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like a, a indeed. defeat in previous yeah, yeah, yeah. seasons. Yeah. I think once, with that game at Crawley, once it was clear that it wasn't going to be an over day in attack, you start thinking, oh, no, no, look, they'll probably nick a goal here. But mm. you look at the form of... Um, Lawler, the, the Ian Lawler, and, and how good he's been. He made two brilliant saves away at Crawley, and yeah. that's that's the difference. Yeah. Did I tell you I saw um, Andy Warrington the other day? You told me, but you I, wouldn't have told everyone listening. I feel so. Um, sort of looks a little bit like Santa if he'd fallen on hard times. <laughs> he was in the. Uh, I think he's a coach for Grimsby. Yeah. Um, I saw him when Orient played Grimsby at home, and. Um, I'm I'm pleased to say that he's he's looking well. Well, he was playing well into his forties, though, wasn't he? We still he's, I immediately went on Wikipedia and he's still registered as a player. Yeah, well, I mean, that doesn't surprise me all that much. Actually, he yeah. looked he looked when we attempted to commentate on James Coppinger's oh, yeah. testimonial and Andy Warrington playing goal for one of the teams. Warrington was the best keeper I'd seen at the keep mode that season, <laughs> <laughs> comfortably better than anything we'd had on field for overs. When I say he was looking well, by the way, I mean he was looking well for Andy Warrington. I always thought <laughs> was a bit dishevelled anyway. Uh, he wasn't looking well for Santa. <laughs> right, okay. I mean, if, if Andy Warrington slid down your chimney, you would definitely be ringing NHS Direct. Orient, we will, I'll, I'll stick on Orient for a minute, actually. And obviously the the predicament that, that they're in, and that, that it was encouraging on Saturday to see so many Rovers fans... Um, Putting putting sizable amounts of money as well into the uh, the Leighton Orient uh, Football Trust is that the acting it, for a lot? It's called the Re- uh, Regeneration Fund, and it's yeah. Leighton Orient Fans Trust. Yeah, it was great to see a lot of fans 
putting money into that and supporting it where they could. And a lot of people are saying, obviously, you know, Rogue is where they've come from should should recognise more than anyone, or yeah. as much as anyone, as to the, the situation or into it. In. I remember. I mean, obviously, clubs have gone to war before. You know, Rovers had their problems, but I've really felt as a Rovers fan in you know, as an 18-year-old, that it was like an anomaly. Like, it felt like something yeah. which um, didn't happen to every club. And, you know, almost 19, 20 years later, um, I mean, you know, what what club can say that they haven't had that in their, in their history? And I just kind of feel like now it's like, it has to be about fans sticking together oh, because, um, I mean, the thing, the parallels are really direct as well, I think, with the two situations because it really is down to like the ineptitude and then spite of yeah. of a person. Um, but I did see the Rovers, they actually took the bucket uh, from the, the Orient fans and passed it down the away end because yeah. Orient fans were talking about that on the on, on the forum and I, I thought that was lovely really. But I do wish we'd gone to the supporters club after the game because uh, Mike Bowdry was in there. Was he? Oh. Yeah. Would like to pour him a drink. Yeah. Glass of red wine. That doesn't. That's doesn't. what French people drink, right? Yeah, definitely. All yeah. That's all you can get in France. Exactly. I've been to I've France. Been there, yeah. It's yeah, all red that's wine. That's all, all there is. <laughs> Can't even get Fanta. Um, Apologies to any French people listening to this <laughs> podcast. I don't think there are any, unless, unless Mr. Baudry himself. Baudry, if I yeah. be listening, yeah. Um, speaking of him, class act on uh, on Saturday. I, another really assured performance, brilliantly taken goal. I think uh, I think it was Tom Davis, the uh, the only funny writes for Guardian, I saw a tweet saying he... Mike Bowdry's uh, refusal to celebrate was one instance of that we can all get behind because you see it quite often these days with players sort of refusing to celebrate against former clubs they may have played for for a week but with Bowdry there is a real affinity there and it was it was good to see I, think. I wrote in the fanzine in the, in the past um, you know that when Orient got relegated you know he, he was inconsolable when Orient did go up he was inconsolable it just seems like a man that really gets it. And, yeah. Uh, it just seems so sincere. It was weird the uh, reaction that uh, Marcus got though. He played about eight games for Orion on loan but, a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, there was a bit of like from the from the onset. It was like he got booed. It was a bit like I feel with Marcus though, like it's only a matter of time before the opposition fans turn on him yeah. in a game. I feel like he, he's the sort of player that revels in that. I was going to say, I think that to, to, to like I say, he probably thrives in it as well, yeah. you know. Um, you know, just have to watch a celebration. If that was a prancing man coming towards my home end, then uh, <laughs> I'd turn on him quite quickly too. How many? Oh, he's ex-Millwall as well, which I'm yeah. sure doesn't help. But what, um, how many goals is he on? 23. What's the record in the season? It's 35, isn't it? For Rovers? Yeah. I'm going to take your word for it, it's 35, yeah. I've run out of charge, so I can't even check on my phone. <laughs> we, um, But he is, I mean, like you say, if he was playing for anyone else, you'd hate him. Absolutely hate him, I feel. I'd, I'd, there'd be nothing that would endear him to me at all if he was on anyone else's team. By the, way, by the way, if we were ever in contention for the uh, FSF Podcast of the Year Award, hmm. I would like them, when they're like reviewing the tapes and when they're considering whether we make the cut, for them to recall that our fact-checking abilities is, <laughs> I'd like to check that, but I've run out of charge of my phone. <laughs> I'll just... I'll just uh, That's for you, the judges. I'm, I think I'm what Bill Bailey calls it, a relaxed empiricist, where I just believe anything you two say, as long as it's said with enough enthusiasm and security. Chat, did you say that unicorn at Orion on Saturday? <laughs> 
Uh, what, I'm, what I'm looking at is like normally if we're not sure about something Jack will produce a phone from his pocket sorry, but Jack hasn't got anywhere near his pocket well so. there's, only so much, there's only so much he can check you know I mean I, I don't know how I'd fact check uh, Andy Warrington and uh, his ability to disappear down chimneys for example <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's not on Wikipedia as I know I've been a keep man this season what's the don't, general don't vibe? turn up then because we haven't lost that in one season <laughs> we've to follow that up and every Orient game I've been to they have lost yeah um, what's the vibe it was it was odd at the Cheltenham game which is the most recent home game I've attended and it was odd because I, th- I think it was odd because of the form in February where obviously we'd had a succession of draws at home that people, against teams that you might think you ought to be getting something out of mm. So it felt like in that in that Cheltenham game, the atmosphere in the stands didn't really match with what was happening on the pitch. Oh, right. So it felt like every any misplaced pass, there was a massive exaggerated groan. Any right. backwards pass. Right. I mean, I was sat behind your, your article, get it forward, right. followed by a long ball forward, followed by a, what, you just love it forward? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, throughout that game, so that might have tapered what's been. But there seems to be quite a bit of sort of frustration, a bit of angst in the crowd when, it, when Rovers weren't, were only 1-0 up. And right. that game against Cheltenham, Cheltenham were never in that game. Yeah. Rovers were one nil up, but Cheltenham had an effort on goal to yeah, speak of yeah, in, the, yeah. in the entire match. But it yeah. was being treated like we, you know, it was like almost like we were the underdog and we had to keep yeah. this thing. It was a really weird atmosphere. And I think that came from the frustration of the previous games. But, you know, coming into Sunday's game against Plymouth, Rovers have now gone almost a year unbeaten at home. Yeah. You keep seeing sort of the random bookies and what have you. Uh, reference the, the keep mode, the fortress, and you're like, yeah. "Oh, it's never felt that." <laughs> you know, it's, I've never felt, I've never thought of keep mode as being yeah. the fortress. No, but me- you look at the record, and it's it undoubtedly has become one recently. Yeah, yeah, I think that that Cheltenham game for me, the games I've been to at home this season, was the anomaly. That was the all the other home games I've been to this season, even when Rovers have been behind, the feeling has been, "Well, it's all right, we'll win." Mm. You know, it, yeah, which is in yeah. stark contrast to the previous two seasons when the moment a goal, opposition goal went in, you, you might as well go and get a beer, to be honest, because yeah, yeah, yeah. that was it. Is there a, um, a whipping boy at all? Is there anyone that fans are on the back of? Williams. Yeah. I think Andy Williams gets... Oh, really? Yeah, Andy Williams gets gets a lot of stick. I mean, we, we saw it. Yeah, well, he missed the Cambridge. Oh, on Saturday, yeah. Saturday, yeah, yeah. But but he, I mean, Williams just needs to go. Yeah, know? he just needs to well, go. He got one against uh, Notts County, didn't he? Yeah. Thought, which which that made me think that Saturday that chance against Orient he would barely. But yeah. the thing that that struck me with Williams, and I wrote about this in the in the most recent fanzine, it sort of was away at Cambridge where Ferguson sent him on with Rovers three 0 up. Cambridge centre half on a bucket, perfect chance for Williams to try and get his eye in, you know, get a goal. First ball that comes forward to Williams, Williams miscontrols, and people all around us just start hammering him, absolutely hammering him. You know, Sit up here, with us, bloody rubbish, all that, you know, the usual. And just think, you know, if we, we're top of the league, we've got yeah. Coppinger being Coppinger, you've got young players coming through, you've got a Donny Weather centre half. You're 3 0 up. You're three nil, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you, if you can't what, like, what, what, get what? pure enjoyment out of this and encourage a player, especially a player like Williams who needs encouragement. Well, I mean, what's he on, anyway? What? What do you mean? How many goals? Uh, it must be close to double figures, if not on double figures after Notts County game. Do you know what I mean? It's like a respectable haul. Yeah. It's just because I think it's probably it's a combination of the fact of how many Marcus has been banging in. Williams beats himself up when he doesn't get a goal. And I think it's also he doesn't hair around as much as Marcus yeah. and May. And I think that makes him... If you look at like 
May, uh, Alpha May, who I like. I think everyone likes and what he brings to him. I think it's great that Rovers have plucked life from the league. He's got his goal against Luton. But since then, he's done a lot of running around. He's missed some absolute sitters. Yeah, yeah. No, no worse than the sitters that Williams has yeah. missed, but yeah. hasn't brought the same criticism. I don't know whether it's level... Of, I think it's a combination of either level of expectation because of what's come before. And obviously, Williams has scored goals at a high level. And just that perceived amount of effort that comes from running around a lot. You know what I mean? In the simplest... Hey, we, could, we could have Curtis May. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, But I, I do think it's precisely that. I think that the fact that, you know, if, if, if Andy Williams was a little whippet like, like, like yeah. uh, Mays and uh, then people... Pull, but, but then it was never that striker, you know? It wasn't no, that striker when it was put in, in exactly. record goal-scoring halls for Swindon and even for Donny this season yeah. before. So, you know. It's an interesting one. Well, mentioning players there and looking at we've got sort of main Williams in fact, and Marcus we've, we've touched on. In terms of a couple of other players that perhaps don't get the accolades, I think it's worth noting how well uh, Niall Mason slotted into the holding midfield goal, which is not something anyone I don't think would have seen coming as a who goes in that place instead of Houghton. Yeah, well, you've got to allow Coppinger freedom. Yeah. That's what, that's what that role is about, really. You know, mm. you've got to have that... Um, that 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 sort of that that rock, mm. um, someone who's who, just just so that there's going to be one player who is going to be in a free role wherever the ball is, he'll go wherever the space is, he'll go, and uh, and he's sort of like a supporting player, but, but at the same time, it's a really crucial role, yeah. and it's and it's it's very easy to overlook. So I'm glad that we did bring it up because it's one of these roles that you, he's not going to bang in goals, yeah, he's not going to make last gas, you know, I'm, defensive. I'm, with respect to him, he's not going to be as good as. Hamilton was in that role, I don't think. And yeah. he's going to misplace the odd pass and do the odd long ball forward that was a final. But I think he's been very quietly effective in that. Well, similarly, um, the other one I was going to mention was uh, Craig Alcock. Yeah. He's been backing at left back, which has really balanced out that defence. I think he was class. Yeah. Well, one of the nice things that I like about him and is, is that not only his ability to make tackles, but to yeah. recycle the ball. Yeah. Looking ahead then, um, we've we've touched on Plymouth on on Sunday. We should probably give that a bit more, given it is a meeting of the team's top two at uh, Mother's Day. Not that that's re- relevant to the the form, but I've seen we've seen Rovers are doing the thing where instead of mascots leading out the players, supporters' mums are leading the players out because it's oh, Mother's Day. I'm into that. So people could nominate their mum to be selected to that the players. Nice, yeah. My mum's pretty much watched one game with us. This is on TV, and yeah. she's only ever watched one game with us on TV. And she said, well, I'm going to give it a fair crack. And she said, you know, I'll try and get into it. So we all have a couple of beers in the house. And uh, and we scored after about five minutes, kicked over the beer, rug went up. And she uh, she said, right, that's it, I'm off to the pub. <laughs> and uh, she lasted all, so that's six minutes of Rovers on TV. But which we'll, is impressive, really. That's, that's a lot. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm taking my mum to the game on Sunday, as it's Mother's Day. Oh, which is nice. why the fanzine has been campaigning for some sort of Mother's Day mum's ticket offer on Twitter to no avail. No. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> was purely personal interest, but it was like, it's like I'm going to actually have to put my hand in my pocket and pay full price. I'm pleased that um, we're in an era where that's really the cause that the fanzine needs to throw us <laughs> You know, after the experiment, yeah. after Richardson, I feel like now we're just, we just want to get our mums into the game. Yeah. Though. 
basically, I feel like we've done we've done our bit for for the the good of football and yeah. social awareness and inclusive. Now I'm just pursuing my own interests. No, I agree. Campaigns. I agree. Discounts uh, for men with beards is what I'd like us to push for. Next. Yeah, uh, discounted support of bus routes from South East London to Doncaster. Yeah, on yeah, Saturday yeah violate, is my next. Oh, violating, violating. Yeah, is my next one that I'll that I'll really push. So the game itself then, Sunday, because we should probably touch on that rather than just my efforts to get my, my mother there uh, cheaply. Plymouth's form lately stuttering quite a bit, but but certainly still in contention and, and obviously a tough test. Yeah, it is. Um, to be honest with you, that, that was what I was going to say. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like, I, remember, I remember Plymouth away, really, and I'm, I'm sort of getting the same feeling as, as, as I did then, which was... That we're we're looking good, but they're, 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 they are a decent team. If we came away with a draw, I think I'd be happy. Um, but but I'd, I mean, given the run of form that we're on at the moment, and given given the fact that they that they're they're struggling to piece together any sort of form, um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we if we managed to pull off a win. I don't think it'd be anything spectacular. Never is under the cameras, but then again, I said that was it Portsmouth we saw after yeah. just before Christmas. I didn't think that was going to be a good game. Um, should we be bold enough to make predictions or should we not go down that avenue? Uh, it's always 3-1. 3-1. Yeah, well, I put 3-1 on this weekend and uh, I think I got tossed. So I'll go one less, I'll go 2-1. Okay. I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> no, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna go one apiece. Um, beyond Plymouth, whatever happens, um, it's going to be a much more enjoyable trip to Colchester than last season. I've just remembered. I've just remembered. from your mind. Yeah. Um, I mean, might, you might go to the zoo. Get before, to the zoo yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get the zoo in. If you are going to Colchester, Colchester Zoo becomes highly recommended from from the podcast. I don't know. I saw a guy when I saw the penguin feeding. There was a guy with a swastika on his hand. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the day went downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> very, so. very sad orangutan. Rovers getting battered. So there. Colchester Zoo has penguins, also has Nazis, so it swings and roundabouts, edgy bets if you go in there. Yeah, if anyone listens to the podcast, I'm sort of like uh, Lady Justice here. <laughs> yeah. um, we'll move on from uh, the, the serious stuff of uh, games past and games coming up then. Uh, and something I wanted to, to bring up uh, in this issue, which was, and it's based, it's off the back of something I wrote for the most recent edition of the fanzine, and that's club nicknames. I'd seen Rovers uh, listed on these like great football club names, lists of club names as the Vikings, which makes a little bit of sense because there's one on the club crest, so mm. there's a link there. Uh, you know, the, the, we're near York. You know, probably most kids in Doncaster have been to Jorvik at some point. There's the links, but it kind of falls down to the fact that I have never once heard anyone vocally refer to Doncaster as the Vikings. Not once. I've heard, not even when we were giving out like the free Viking helmets in the, in the conference games, everyone referred to us as, as the Vikings. But it's, I've heard, I've heard of Rovers, I've heard you Reds a lot, I've heard Red and White Wizards once. I've even heard. Really? Yeah. <laughs> when? A long time ago. Maybe I might have that one. But I've also, I've also, I've also heard of Super Hoops from the, from the, right. In isolation, I admit, does sound like a variety of Heinz. But I've heard all those, but I've never heard Vikings. I mean, QPR are super hoops, though. Yeah. Yeah. It would it would sort of lend itself to, if, if we'd have made a bit more deal of it, the, the old Icelandic thing where they did the little hoo and oh, the, the, the clap. I'd have loved to see that at Rovers. I mean, I wanted to be a part of it. You, you say that, 
I feel away from the Icelandic fans, it doesn't. I saw at Christmas, I went to a game up in North Wales with my dad, and that Viking Thunderclap really loses its magic when you've seen it done by three Hollyhead Hotspur fans. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't quite have the same like powerful impact. I mean, I am. I really like. It was weird. I mean, I was. A, I mean, there was a massive part of me when I was like a little kid, where I was like, "Why do I support Rovers?" There was yeah. a lot of that. Like, <laughs> do you I, know, I had it a lot of Saturdays in yeah, my twenties yeah. and early thirties. Yeah, to yeah totally, totally. Um, and there was a little bit, I think, when I was younger, where I went, "Got to like being in history that bad." You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> whereas now. I'm very, in, I'm very into having a Viking on our badge. No, I, I don't get me wrong. I like the badge. Yeah, no, My totally. My issue is completely with people referring to Doncaster as the Vikings. But yeah, that, yeah. I mean, the, the thing is though, is I do think these things take. I mean, these things take like you know fifty years. Yeah, but to okay. True. So maybe but our you, children's you, you, children. For it to take fifty years, I feel like you need someone to make the reference within the first thirty of those years. But <laughs> no, no, what I'm saying, what, yeah, what I'm saying though is that like. When people are listening to this podcast, hosted by our descendants, <laughs> listening to it via tablet, like not a tablet like an iPad, but actually a tablet you take and you can hear <laughs> their voices, then they will be talking about Doncaster Vikings. No. Wearing a Viking hat, merch, a Doncaster Rovers merchandise Viking hat, clapping a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So come on, you Vikings, rape no. and pillage. Well, this yeah, that's where it falls down. Right? So I've heard Vikings. I've heard I've seen Rovers nickname listed as Rovers, which in itself is just a name. It's the laziest thing. Ever. I think Donny is really lazy. Although does have the benefit of that is what people say. Reds also falls down massively on days like Saturday where we're wearing all black, mm. and then you're inadvertently cheering on the home team. Yeah. Oh, just playing someone in red like yeah. this weekend. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I was uh, like, what, what, I was always good. Like we, we've not got a good nickname. We haven't until uh, John Cole, voice of the pop stands, all time Rovers uh, Oracle, pointed out. I think it was last month in a. I, don't know, I think it was an email that I was involved in because. Um, my life is just pure Doncaster Rovers communication. <laughs> um, that Doncaster Rovers were once known as the Butterscotchman. Well, I know this because I've seen it on your notes, but yeah. also, yeah, I'm aware of this and uh, I don't understand. Because Doncaster is where Butterscotch is from. I didn't know that either. Well, you're forgiven because you're not from Doncaster. <laughs> you're looking at me like... Where? I don't know. Well, it, it's from Doncaster. It was first made in Doncaster. The recipe for butterscotch is from Doncaster. That is astonishing. It's a Doncastrian thing. Parkin- so I think it was Parkinson's was the initial company and then other companies in Doncaster started manufacturing it. But Doncaster is where butterscotch is from. So, because That's of that, like, it, it, that was like 1850s, 60s. By the turn of like the century, that is you know one of Doncaster's leading global products, if you like, that and... Uh, trains, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so local press at the time started referring to Doncaster Rovers as the Butterscotch Man, and it sort of follows that thing where you've got like Reading were the Biscuit Man, yeah, because there's yeah. some biscuits. Then you have all those other, all those other football clubs that have great nicknames that are things that were built in their town. Yeah, so toffees. Like, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Maxfield, the uh, the Silk Man. You've yeah. got the Nailers, Town. We want to look at your spreadsheet. Actually, now, I did a little bit of reading. 
Um, yeah. So there is like a full like you know taxonomy of, of, of nicknames, and essentially what this guy thinks is that it comes down to. You have to I'll just explain to me what. Ta- so I just point out that when Jack says what this guy means, he's pointing at something done by another. He hasn't just brought another person into the room. <laughs> so <laughs> what this external, externally located man has, has found out is that it comes down to uh, plants and animals. So you've so, you know you've got the uh, the, you know, the swans, the seagulls, the hornets, the bees. Um, it comes down to sort of odds and ends, which is which is sort of like miscellaneous. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like that's where he got to at the very yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. Done so all you've the got other posh, and nobody knows why Peterbrook or posh. I'm sure there is a reason. You've got people, which is where both the Butterscotch men and the Vikings would fall under. So you've got the citizens at, at Manchester City, but also sort of like um, uh, you know the Tractor Boys and the Brewers at Burton yeah. Albion. And then you've got the more obvious ones, which is a sort of category that Doncaster has sort of like fallen into. Um, you know, where Chelsea, the Blues, uh, uh, you know, Stevenage and Borough, because and it's and it's sort mm. of like Rovers are in that category where where the Reds or where Donny or whatever. Um, so it, that that is a little interesting bit about how it all falls together. And I just think based on that and what I'm seeing here, although there are some really interesting ones which which I've, I've noted. Um, I've got a few red herrings when it comes to the bus. Who are the red herrings? No, that's that's what that's what I have <laughs> about about the, the, the potential like, no, proposed name of uh, the butterscotch men. Go on then. What's your issues? First of all, it's a bit too wordy. It just what word? It, well, yeah, it's just a bit too like it's a mouthful. That's the beauty of butterscotch. It's a very tasty mouthful. Second of all. I just think that there's not half as many merchandise compared to uh, the, the Vikings. I don't feel like we could. I mean, well, I guess. But you could, you could sell, could you could sell, sell butterscotch. But, yeah, but, but, but you couldn't so, sell a Viking. And it's just like how, how to wear it and stuff like that. And I mean, I, 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 my main one does boil down to my point that I made earlier that in my recollection, the butterscotch men never did the really cool. Whoo! <laughs> <laughs> And, well, and they've got people, to really if, if they, maybe if they ate butterscotch just as it was made, they'd go. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Are we are we pitching for Vikings to be absorbed into Robus fandom? No, I'm pitching the opposite. Yeah, me too. Two against one. Don't well, the dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Do tweet your thoughts on this because I mean um, this doesn't really work for Americans, though, does it? Because Americans are just like, oh yeah, man, raptors. Well, that's Canadians, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but like they just pick cool stuff yeah I think what's what's not this is the thing about that is the, the Scottish teams so a lot of Scottish league teams have quite obscure nicknames that are related to things like my favourite I think my favourite two are Brecon City who are known as the Hedgemen just because there's a hedge that runs along the side of their pitch oh, and then uh, the Montrose are the Gable Endies did you know that because of the style of house in Montrose was very different to oh, other houses where they're sort of side on. Here's another one. There's a lad I know, and he's called Andrew Woods, and he's on Etsy, and he does these uh, sort of like they're like penguin, old-fashioned penguin books. Yeah. And I asked him to do me one for Rovers, uh, and he brought me it, and it referenced an owl that like lived in the gable. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd never heard of this before, and I, I had to go back to him and basically go, "It's going to be something to do with like fire," <laughs> and that, that used to hang on my wall to remind so me. The of owl good was a was it a stone owl that was put in the roof of the main stand. Do you know what this? Is no, it sort I'm, of good I'm, luck I'm, thing I'm, or to I'm, ward off a curse? Something ridiculous like that. See, I know, I, I know about a curse at Bellevue. There was a steward that used to tell me about how uh, they had moved some 
uh, travellers on. Yeah. And they had, the travellers had cursed. Uh, but I think that was just... No, I think that fed into the owl and the owl was placed, really? the stone owl was placed in the rafters of the main stand to ward off the curse. It didn't do much good, did it? No, well, it wasn't there to ward off uh, former Secret Service agents with cans of petrol. Right, right. Sadly, <laughs> it was mainly targeted at, at curses. Yeah, I think CCTV would have been more uh, <laughs> beneficial, to be honest. Um, no, because didn't John Ryan bring it back? That's, I remember something on the pitch with John Ryan and a stone owl. John Ryan being shy and retiring, not yeah. trying to grab a headline or yeah, two. Yeah, that John Ryan. Am I gonna get? Am I gonna? Get, I'm gonna get trouble for that. That's that's hate mail coming your way, um, <laughs> which makes a nice change to my way. So I'll let you enjoy that for a yeah. while. Yeah. Um, so with your taxonomy of nicknames and the man you've brought in to the room to explain externally it to us, in the yeah. Um, what are you saying then? Well, I'm, I'm I'm saying that you know, as as I'm sure the people of Twitter will agree with me, there'll be absolute <laughs> outrage at the end of this. Um, the butterscotch men is just a little bit. Uh, we need to meet. We need to meet more of the Vikings. Is is what what Twitter will be telling you as soon as we get off this. Have you had a quiet day at work today? It's really quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll do a Twitter poll after after this makes it on air. Then we'll do Vikings versus butterscotch. Yeah. Unless you, do you want me to put dinosaurs? in Don't the dinosaurs. You want dinosaurs? Yeah. In I'm also wondering if this I've will got a horrible of... feeling you're going to win. Yeah, big time. <laughs> It'll come out as Doncaster, but Doncaster first or something. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Another topic to talk about, and this comes off the back of Cambridge Away, where me and Jack spent the halftime watching two people on day release trying to chip a football into a tiny skip. Uh, that's what's considered halftime entertainment in Cambridge. Often, I mean, obviously that was a sponsor, um, and 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 if if that's sort of where rest then yeah. I don't see what's in it for that sponsor though because well, it's not really his... showing off their skips that well is it if it's our skips are so small you can't even chip a football <laughs> yeah. in 10 yards no I know I, I, I was thinking as, as far as Doncaster as, as far as Doncaster going and their sponsors would have been I mean, you, you make the fastest claim in the half time <laughs> um, build the fastest Beezer home how much um, butterscotch can you eat? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, legend mobility would have obviously been an interesting one. Trying to try and eat the most butterscotch at halftime is miles better than trying to build a longboat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't well, know. I don't know. Uh, I feel like you'd fit it in the 15 minutes. Better. Pushing a deceased relative out to see. <laughs> out to the lake. I'm into that. Oh, see, it all makes sense with the chemo. What? Well, because there's a bloody... There's a bloody <laughs> Vikings yeah, didn't cross lakes. Anyway, we've digressed. Half-time stuff. Yeah. So off the back of that, I asked people to let us know if they're, they're, they're the best, worst, most awful mm. uh, half-time entertainment they, they'd seen. It wasn't spitting with Rovers in mind, but I was just generally... My favourite was the... One of those was Stuart Clegg who tweeted about and just said the Vikettes for all categories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was telling. Um, one that always gets brought up is Radio Hallam Pushball. Yeah. Do you remember it? Yeah. So it was mid to late 80s then, because I don't remember it. So Radio Hall Pushball was, there's a big oversized ball in the middle of the pitch. They'd line two teams no, up I'm at thinking, the end. I'm thinking of something else. Yeah, they'd line two teams up at the end of the pitch and they'd charge and try and push the ball into the goal. 
But what that ended up with was the, the only thing it was worth watching for really was the initial charge where people would yeah. charge at a ball and get catapulted off into yeah. different directions. I just I recently twice. played the, the, the Zorb football yeah. where you go in and it's exactly the same. It's only fun while it's while the ball's being kicked off. Yeah. And after that it's downright frustrating. You know, <laughs> like you can't kick the ball. That's that's you know, you can't do anything with the ball. But I think what what I got from that was what people particularly like to see at half time was their fellow fans getting humiliated. Because yeah. I feel like the other one that's always popular, and I don't think Rovers done it, is where people do like the dizzy penalties. I think QPR yeah. used to oh, do yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. where you run around like a pole and halfway and then try and run to the area and yeah. football. Other ones from Donny that were that were flagged by people. Uh, I should mention, yeah, John Cole Lazarus and Phil Dougalby brought out the uh, Radio Hallam pushball. I should mention. I'm not disputing that it happened, but it just sounds like too much fun for 80s Yorkshire. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go against that at all. It is surprising. But everyone seems to remember it and it always gets brought up in this discussion. So oh, the, ma- the majorettes that used to go around the ground playing sort of glockenspiel, kazoo things, that seemed to happen pretty much every halftime for about 15 years. Because um, that was brought up by John Cole and myself. <laughs> and the other one that, that a couple of people brought, which I've forgotten about, which I think is worth a mention, is uh, Donny Dog in the, what I will consider the heyday of Donny Dog, aka the Andy Liney years. And we touched on some of his antics in the last podcast, namely riding a moped, fighting with Scunny Bunny and doing the long jump at Gateshead, just to read off his rap sheet beforehand. You prefer the early stuff. But there was, yeah, definitely. But there was a, there was a time at, it's the latter years of Bellevue where just, it just seemed like anything would happen in pre or halftime match. And there was some wrestling event going on at the Dome. So they'd invited over a couple of the wrestlers or the wrestlers themselves had asked if they could come over and probably try and sell tickets to, you know, by, by doing an address to the crowd. Um, I don't know wrestling, Jack, James, you do. So I'm looking at you. So wrestler Al Snow, I'm told he's a big name wrestler. I, well, I don't go that far. Okay. But he's, I, known. he's known he, as a big wrestler. Certainly, there's, there's an era of wrestling in the WWE in the late uh, 90s, early 90s that was called the Attitude Era. Mm. And he was certainly a big star. Yeah. Um, so this is sort of around that time. So he, yeah, he was on the on the pitch at Bellevue at half time, trying to g people up and get them to so come this, to his event. And in the process, ended up fighting with Donny Dog. This, oh no, actually, no. Before he fought with Donny Dog, he started like trying to get the crowd on side, sort of just slating the referees' decisions from the first half. <laughs> just that, just for, for one to try and turn the crowd on his side, <laughs> and then started uh, grappling with Donny Dog. I mean, at which this, point, Donny Dog's head fell off. And I'll snow up the microphone to tell, put your head back on, you're scaring the kids. <laughs> I mean, this just, I mean, this really does blow my mind that I didn't know anything about this. Yeah. It was, Adam Dawson and Matt, who lives in Geneva, both brought this up on Twitter and reminded me of it. If, um, if I had charged my phone, again, that's a continuity thing, um, I would definitely be researching this right now. I would yeah. like to know more. Yeah, so there you go. I've met, I've met Al Snow. This could have been a conversation that we could have had. So if it, like, I think it fits in with the... If we were to sort of come up with the ultimate half time, unless you, I mean, unless you've got any other examples to, to throw out of great ones you've seen or terrible ones you've seen, I should. Think. I vaguely remember uh, a parachute landing. Yes, I think that was pre-match though. Really? There might have been both, but I've seen one. There was one pre-match where they're bringing. There was like four guys were supposed to land on the pitch on a cross on the yeah. centre spot before yeah. the game, and only yeah. one, two landed on the race course. One was circling somewhere near Asda Car Park <laughs> and one landed near the corner flag. No, that's, no I'll tell you what it was. He landed on the pitch and they had those smoke canisters like pouring smoke out the back as they came in. Do you know what I mean? Like like the sort yeah. of red, you know, parachute equivalent of the red arrow that was. So he landed on the pitch, but it was kind of delayed, so it was almost kickoff. 
So they kicked his smoke canister out of the way to kick him. And they just basically, so it wasn't on the pitch, turned it around to face the pop side. <laughs> <laughs> Coughing and squirming our way through the first 10 minutes with the uh, chant of We Can't See the Rovers. I'm sort of, uh, which is surprising given that I'm quite a silly man, I am quite opposed to all of this. It sort of just sounds silly to me. You're aware of the Premier League. I know you don't really like the Premier League. Premier, I've yeah. heard of it. Yeah, it's like loads of rich like people. Premier in, but for football teams. Loads of rich people being greedy. Got it. But I, a few Premier League games I've been to, there are clubs, Spurs certainly do it, I think Arsenal do it, where they almost use their half-time as like, they almost like schedule broadcasting. So like <laughs> someone will come on the pitch, they will interview like, I don't know, Spurs, like Gary Mabbott or something. Yeah. Um, they will advertise the new kit on the big screen and then there's maybe like, I don't know, five facts for the next fixture. Yeah. And then they'll kick off the second half. Yeah. And it is, it's not to my taste. No, I think the most joy comes in completely ramshackle half-time yeah, entertainment, totally. which would fit the, the Donny Dog wrestler. It would fit the, the push ball to a degree. Like, like, if you can't do ramshackle, if you haven't got the budget for Al Snow... Just do a penny shootout. Penny shootouts, just they're fine, yeah. you know. Like I, of all the things that people do at half time, the penny shootouts, no matter how small the people are taking them, are always the ones that literally people watch. You I always see people watch penny shootouts against the goalie or against the mascot. Though. No, it'd be, it'd be someone, yeah, but someone daft in goal. Right. Yeah. Against <laughs> a mascot, I'd say against a mascot, but a mascot that's trying. Yeah, you have to try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not not letting the kids' goals. Yeah, no, right. they've got to learn. They've got to learn. Got um, to learn. The other good thing is like when they do like a like a junior five a side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the whole crowd gets into it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. It starts roaring the kids off. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that. I think Cardiff Doncaster about night late night is. And some little kid was playing in this junior in front of like the the, the old uh, Canton stand at Ninian Park. Um, this little kid, he must have been like seven or whatever, scored a goal and just haired off towards the Canton stand where the Cardiff fans were and ripped off his school shirt to a Cardiff City <laughs> shirt underneath. And the I mean, place went would. crazy. He would. They should um, just get, get should get the ball boys. They're obviously all kind of like under whatever players. Yeah. They they can do something half time. They can play a football bit of football because from what I'm seeing is they're all bored out of the school yeah. because every time they get the ball they do something bloody daft with it and as I've <laughs> said in, in previous editions like I would have I would have given anything to be one of those kids when I was young Yeah, let's keep them entertained you know get yeah. them get them in a little five aside get them taking penalty shootouts against Donny the dog everyone's happy and it costs now get them fighting wrestlers all that yeah. or parachuting in yeah, parachuting <laughs> in to fight wrestlers before having a penalty shootout perfect half time I think that's probably it chance don't forget uh, this is your podcast get involved let us know your thoughts on the episodes by tweeting the fans in via Viva Rovers or, or commenting on any Facebook or message board threads we, we plug it on join in our um, Twitter poll that will follow this this going live on, on Rovers nickname dinosaurs. Uh, or, or suggest your own that we may have missed and uh, we'll ignore them at the expense of Butterscotchman as well <laughs> um, thank you to James and Jack and to all of you for listening and for, for enjoying our company for what's been a very very long rambling 40 minutes uh, and we'll be back with you for episode seven in about a month or so. Thank you.